Breathe again, part two. Breathe again, part two. Our foundation scripture is Acts 16, verse 16 through 18. Breathe again. And this topic or this teaching, breathe again, was given to me because of the observation that God has given me about the body of Christ, how we have allowed a certain spirit that preys upon those who go to prayer, worship, and try to approach the presence of God. This is where this spirit hangs out, part of the mission of this spirit that tries to take your breath. Breath is obviously the air that you breathe, you inhale and exhale. It's your vitality, it's your life. It's your life, breath. But God has given you his life in this breath that you breathe. And Genesis 2, 7, when he created man, he breathed into their nostrils. Mm -hmm. And he gave them the breath of life. Life, his life, Holy Spirit. He gave us his spirit through his breath. And so when you read the word of God, mm -hmm. this is what happens. But only if you receive what you're reading. So when you read the word of God and you receive what you're reading, you actually inhale the spirit again, meaning breathe again. You are anew again. Mm -hmm. Every time you read the word of God, Dean, this is why it's important, it's imperative that we read continuously the word of God because it causes you to live again. It causes you to breathe again. And again means anew. Again means to encounter. Again means to reply. So when someone, they believe, uh, are flatlined and they, and they bring them back to the electric shock, that means again. Then they are able to live again. You have this encounter every time you read the word of God. When you receive the word of God, you cause the word of God to be activated, to be alive, to be working inside of you. So when you read the word of God and you don't receive the word of God, it's of no effect. It's inoperable. It's not working. The self-fulfilling prophecy in the word is not going to be applicable in your life because you haven't received the word of God. Breathe again. Once more. Have a new mind once more. Encounter the place where you received him once more. Breathe again. Live again. When you first were converted, it takes you back to that encounter and that experience. This is how you keep the fire. Read the word, receive the word, live again. Be anew again. The fire is lit again. Breathe the word of God. Receive the word of God. Causing the word of God to be active in your life. Working with you. It's a state of condition. It's your condition. Again, sometimes people say, I found myself in this same predicament again. Again, yeah, it's condition. Mm -hmm. It's your condition. What is your, again, condition? Is it life or is it death? Is it chaos, confusion? What is your, again, for your life? I keep trying this and trying that and can't seem to get ahead. And these are all the, the battles and the problems and all the same situations all what's going on in my home and in my life and in my marriage, all again. 
because you don't have the breath of God available because the spirit of Python, the spirit of divination, has coiled itself around you and its goal is to squeeze out of you the spirit of God, your real life that causes you to breathe. The spirit of God that causes you to respond to his word. He wants to squeeze out of you the ability to live the word of God. Without his spirit, you can't respond to his word. Without Holy Spirit, you don't have the capability of fulfilling the word of God. And so this is why some Christians become indifferent with God. I'm going to give you what indifferent means. Indifferent means that you have no interest in God. So you have no interest in God. That's what that means to be indifferent. He becomes unimportant to you now. You have no concern about God, the things of God. Indifferent. It doesn't matter to you one way or another way. Indifferent. Just not involved with him anymore or with his people. This is what the adversary wants to do. He wants to rid you from your prayer life, from your praise life, okay. from your worship life, your purpose. from your power and mm -hmm. the presence of God. And when you have no power, you have no resistance against the adversary. You are vulnerable. Exposed. Exposed. How many of you are really deeply in love with your creator? Mm. Deeply, deeply it in love in with your creator? You're actually captured by his everlasting mercy. You are captured by his everlasting mercy, his grace, and his goodness that causes your heart to burn continually for his presence. I can't sit down here anymore. I, get up. I, I want to know. I'm just telling you. Pastor, I want to know how many of us, because this is how deeply he feels about you. Amen. How many of oh. you are deeply in love, Greg, with your creator? Mm. And you are captured by his everlasting mercy, his grace, his goodness, and all that causes your heart to burn continuously for his presence. My heart is burning to be in the presence of God. Okay. My heart is burning to be in the presence of God. Because this is an example. What is preventing you from speaking to your creator is that the spirit of Python, the spirit of divination, has encoiled itself around you, and that calling is a circumstance. So you have something that you're focused on, and you have something that you're passionate about, and it has made it to be your focal point. And you can't see past the situation. You can't see around it because it has encircled you. And so th this is where your affections go. This is where your attention, whether it's a bad situation, it has your attention, and it has your love. And it has your passion, your bad situation, your trial, your situation, all of that circumstance has your focus. What gets me is that we live here in the present, but most a lot of us, our past mm -hmm. is still our focus. Yeah. It's hard for them to stop living back there yes. while they're here. So they can't even see tomorrow. You can't see anything because he has encircled you with your circumstance. Mm. Whether it be your past or your current condition he has encircled you and you see no way out and he makes you think that you are in bondage you're not mm -hmm. free and so you're not free to praise you you're not free to worship you're not free to give God thanks because 
You have to give everything else thanks that you're encircled by. And you do that with your depression. You give it thanks with your depression. You give it thanks mm -hmm. with your anger oh, and your ahead. disappointment. You give your circumstances praise. Your, I'm saying your, your, your most unwanted circumstance, you exalt. You get, so something that you give, once you give something or someone your all, how can you give anything else your all? I can't open my mouth because all my energy and praise has went to another. Not the serve of God. Pick one. Your circumstance or God. Your feelings or God. Your emotion or God. And see, what happens is that it barcades you in. You cannot get out because you have become now a victim of your circumstance. Mm. It has imprisoned you. More than likely, I said, this is the spirit of the python. It has strategically coiled itself around you and is choking out you, the spirit of God. And this, this adversary is considered to be the god of this age, the prince of the air. This spirit works for the Antichrist and the false prophet. What is the driving force of this spirit? Normally, one spirit is not operating ever really on its own. And so, this spirit has a higher-ranking spirit, general, the spirit of Antichrist and the false prophet, the prince of the air, the god of this age. The god of this age means the prevailing thought of this world. What is the most prevailing thought right now of this world? I'm saying right now in this era, right um, in this era, oh, what's going on? Right, right, what's going on now? Same-sex marriage. Just perversion. Perversion, there you go. Overall. Immorality. I Immorality. That is the most prevailing thought of this age. And this particular adversary, he uses temptations, your cares of life and, mm. and your pressures and the burdens of life that, that you're going through to help you to be miserable. He mm. used what's laying around in your life to assist you to be miserable. And that eventually squeezed out of you your spiritual lifeline. Go ahead. So you find it difficult to pray, but you pray. You find it difficult to praise, but you praise. You find it impossible to worship because that has to be done in spirit and truth. Mm -hmm. And for the believer, our tongue is our greatest weapon. We can speak life or death. And so the enemy would like to silence that. Silence the, the tongue of the believer, the power of the tongue of the believer. So what's our purpose of this teaching? It's really to awaken you as God's people to your real, true circumstance. Mm. Your circumstance is not what you see. Your circumstance is what you don't see, is that you're freed and you are empowered to win. Amen. What you're seeing yeah. is not your reality. What you don't see is your reality, and that you are freed. You are free, Dina, from any hands of the enemy. Mm. You are free to win. You are empowered to win. So I mean, you good. have the power and the ability to win. You just have to choose to win. There you go. And to choose to win is just to walk out the word of God, and I win. There's no fight. He said, the fight, the battle is mine, says the Lord. All you have to do is stay in the battle. That means you're going to have to deny Be a part yourself. of it. Walk out the word of God. Obey. That means you don't have to deny yourself. Amen. The purpose, the second purpose of this is to rid, rid us from 
a vicious cycle of demonic attack. A lot of us don't believe or even aware that you're under demonic attack. And we are very much so. Come on. And this enemy, he loves to deal with territories. And so he wants to come and occupy your space, your apostolic calling upon your life. But note this, it's not what's going on around you. Rather, it's the spiritual event that has taken place inside that has mangled your soul from birth. You keep thinking about what's going on around you. That's the real deal. It's what's going on inside of you. That fight with your soul, your emotions, your affections, your feelings, your mind. So but the word of God says the enemy has come at your birth and mingled your soul. According to Psalms 51.5, it says here, Behold, I was born in iniquity, and in sin hath my mother conceived me. David says, as my parts were developed in the womb, the sinful principle diffused itself through the whole, so that the body and mind grew up in a state of corruption and more imperfection. This is what the enemy did at birth. It actually diffused a principle of corruption inside of the soul. It mangled the soul at birth, so that when you grew up, you already was going to be offended by something someone said or didn't say. Mm -mm -mm. You already was gonna be emotional. I went up and I went, I went and set things up for when you, you think about your past, you'll always be reminded that you're never gonna be anything, never do anything, because I'm now channeling away so that your emotions and your feelings will remind you of your past. I already went in and, and I mangled up your soul, your feelings, your affections. That when you get in a relationship and someone treats you bad, you can't seem to forgive them. You're always reminded about what someone did to you. And then when you get in a good relationship, you can't seem to appreciate that because you're still reminded about your past, how someone treated you. Mm -hmm. I'll bring up to you your wounds from your past. I've mangled your soul. Good God. So we got reprogramming from the wound. Mm -hmm. So he's able to do that because of the fall of Adam. Yes. This is how he has access. This is how you say you're born and formed in iniquity yes. already. Mm. He said, through my, all my, my parts, the whole part of me, he actually diffused all of this per corrupted and, and moral imperfection is, that when you grew up, that you were always hate and being bitter and unforgiving. So I went in and I mangled that and intertwined that in your soul. Low self-esteem competition, selfishness. In your suke, your mind. All of these things that you can think of that was negative, that, that will prevent you to coming to your call of God. Yes, Alfie. I'm just saying, they could, you could just take a snapshot of your life right now, mm -hmm. sitting where you are, and see that that is true. If yeah, it was a work you, that was done. How you, how you respond, how you are as an individual right now, or how you were if you're born again. Then he's so mm. conniving that when he mangled his soul that you still think that the way that you're operating is right. There you go. You're right not to forgive someone. You're mm -hmm. right to feel the way that you, you're feeling. You right shouldn't. They angry. need to come to you and say, uh, you know, you need to forgive them. You are right to feel that way. Don't let mm. nobody tell you not. Go ahead. You, this is the right feeling to have. Mm. And you hold on to a false truth. This is, this is the ultimate goal in mingling his soul, Pastor, 
of this python spirit mm -hmm. is about false truth. False truth. Purpose, the second purpose deals with this is to help you to understand the high ranking forces that we <laughs> talked about here, the false prophet and antichrist uh, behind the spirit of divination and or python. And it wants to eradicate the manifested power of the believer's life. So you are not effective in the kingdom of God. You're just talking the words, but you can't seem to live the words out. Mm -hmm. And we talked about Genesis 2, 7. I just want to give you a little background on Acts 16. Uh, this is Paul's second missionary journey here. He uh, was accompanied by uh, Silas, uh, Timothy, and also perhaps uh, Luke, they say. He had just come from Jerusalem, and uh, he was introducing the gospel to the continent of Europe for the first time. Mm -hmm. So Paul, he actually met Lydia, and uh, he actually met three people, key, three key people here. The slave girl, which is, uh, had the spirit of divination, also Lydia, which, is a, which was a successful businesswoman, also the Roman jailer. So these are three different types of people that Jews were normally not normally uh, would talk to, a Gentile and a slave mm -hmm. here, and uh, a woman. So let's go to our, our foundation scripture here, Acts 16, verse 16 through 18. And as Dina's going there, just want to give you a recap of the entirety, really, of chapter 16. We know that this is where Paul and Silas actually get jailed. And the uh, slave girl is uh, following them around and shouting out that they are devout men of God and come to bring salvation uh, to the world. And as she's doing all this, uh, she, she has a method as to why she's doing it. And they actually become to get jailed. And after they are jailed, uh, there's quite a few things happen. And we're going to talk about that a little deeper uh, right after Dina reads Acts 16, 16 through 18. As we were on our way to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination, claiming to foretell future events and to discover hidden knowledge. And she brought her owners much gain by her fortune-telling. She kept following Paul and the rest of us, shouting loudly, These men are the servants of the Most High God. They announce to you the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. Then Paul, being sorely annoyed and worn out, turned and said to the spirit within her, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very moment. And just to let you know how you come up with the spirit of Python, like where is that in the Bible? The spirit of Python is not in there exactly, but the spirit of divination is. So when you do a study on the spirit of divination, spirit obviously meaning uh, pneuma and divination, you actually look that up in the Greek, it really was Pythonia, which is Python. Mm -hmm. So this is really the spirit of Python, uh, not that often that this Scriptures actually refer to the spirit of Python, but that is what it is, the spirit of divination. And it came to pass as we went to prayer. So as they were going to prayer, this slave girl that was actually possessed with the spirit of Python, she started to follow them. But she actually was following them before that. You don't see that in that chapter, but it's when you go and do a lot of deep study and commentaries and things like that and spend some hours and hours, you find out that what she was saying was true, but it wasn't true. <laughs> it's like, okay, I give, I give witness some information. She's got it from me, but she, she act as if she had received that information on her own. So this slave girl 
actually went to a place where they would pray every day. She would follow behind them. So she knew that they were men of God. And she knew that they went to a certain place every day and prayed. So, but part of her job was to foretell supposedly the future. But someone like her, a sorcerer, is someone who received information from the second heaven. They received information, but it's not divine information. And what she received was something she actually saw. She saw them going to a place of prayer. And she followed afar off. And so when she said that these are servants of the Most High God, it wasn't giving them any honor. She was actually really saying that they were servants of Zeus. Mm -hmm. Because back then for the Greek, that means that, that was, they were so many gods. And the Most High was considered to be Zeus. So what she was doing, and they said she was loud. She was screaming. Mm -hmm. She was doing this for days. It said for days that she was screaming out loud behind them. And the place that they were at, it was a place that was known to if you were Jews in that town, and they felt that they were bringing another custom upon their people, trying to enforce another custom. And so this is why they were, they were jailed. And while they were jailed, they were not only put into a prison, but they were put into the inner prison. And they were not only put into an inner prison, but they were beaten. And to think about to be jailed and to be beaten and then to be shackled. And they were, then they were not only beaten and shackled in jail, but then they, their clothes passed, was torn off of them. So mm. they were humiliated in front of a lot of people. And so in that jail, and I'm thinking about our circumstances, some of your own circumstances. And I don't think you've had a circumstance like this. And I'm sure that they were hungry and they were cold because they were in the most inner part, the dungeon part of the jail. And I'm sure this was a place that didn't smell good or, you know, not, was not sanitized. It was a place to where probably fit for the animal to be. And this is where they start to pray and pray and to sing unto their God. This is a place, their circumstance, they didn't see what they saw. They saw what they didn't see. Mm -hmm. They still were seeing, Pastor, the glory of the Lord. Mm -hmm. In them being beaten, mistreated, mm -hmm. persecuted falsely, they saw our life. They still was Amen. preaching the gospel and being witness of Christ in jail. They didn't see their circumstances. They didn't see it. Mm -hmm. See, what's happening with us that we keep seeing what's in front of us. So this is why you can't praise. This, this, this takes your worship. This takes your prayer life. You can't intercede. You're definitely not going to pray for nobody else because you're so overcome. There's no way you're going to reach intercession because you're in a place to where you're being tormented. You're being beaten, and everything is against you. That's good. I want to know why when you fall into a situation to where you're being tried, then you can't seem to praise God. What prevents you from praising God unless they had a muzzle over your mouth and they had your hands tied down? It still be, should be something inside of you that's leaping still for joy because my Redeemer still lives. My Redeemer still lives. And my mission is not about me being comfortable. My mission didn't require for me to be comfortable. 
See, that's the problem of the believers, Pastor, is that their life, when it's anything, is shaking or moving in any kind of way, and I don't have the comfort in my life, I can't sing to praise God anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have the things in my life. I don't find a way, I can't find a way to praise and, and intercede for others because things with me is so burdensome, I'm so heavy. Paul and Silas, when they begin to pray, they said it was an earthquake. It's earthquake. Hmm. I know you don't quite believe that. It was an earthquake. And what is an earthquake? A shaking. More deeper, it was a, a interruption. Mm-hmm. It was an interruption of the circumstance. And what erupted now was the praises of God that caused the shaking. That is good. See, an earthquake, see what has to happen, that you have to pray. They didn't just pray, D.D. They interceded with Amen. all kinds of prayer and dimensions in God. They had a fervent prayer. They went beyond their flesh. I'm sure it had to be hours and hours that they was in that I'm prayer. Sure it was. So this is when the church was praying while they were in prison. Amen. And when they prayed, they said there was an earthquake. And it not only broke the bands to where they were bound, but everybody else that was in jail. So what happens is that when you intercede and praise and worship God and your circumstance, not only are you, you free, but Cindy, everybody, but everybody around you and your proximity are free too. I believe that there was a manifestation of the natural earthquake, but also there was a, a spiritual earthquake in the spirit when you come together and pray. The unseen has to move the scene first. So it had to be the gathering of the saints. That's why I got to tell y'all, when we come together and pray, y'all got to understand They said, and suddenly, good God, suddenly after all type of dimension and prayer and and intercession, fervently with all tenacity that they prayed, suddenly there was a great earthquake, a severe disruption. A severe disruption in the spirit Mm-mm-mm. that caused the, the their bands to be loose, Amen. and also all the prisoners there. Mm-hmm. And then the the jailer came, and he was very afraid, obviously, because they was gonna escape. But Paul said, "Draw not your sword. Don't kill yourself." And they remained. They didn't leave. That's the town said they didn't leave. They didn't leave. I know. I'm just saying they didn't leave, and they couldn't have left. Yep. They remained. And they remain because they ministered to the man. Because he said, what must I do to be, be saved? saved? That's right. And he witnessed to him. And the jailer took him home and they cleaned him up and they fed them. After they fed him, then the next morning they said, let them go. Let them go. See, now for those who despitefully use you. Go ahead. Paul said, now don't let me go in the night and in, and, and in secret. He said, you let me go in the open. <laughs> <laughs> the way that you took me in. Oh, my God. So that the people will see who we are and why we came here. Amen. It was a sudden, severe disruption. You have to pray, Pastor, to where there's a sudden, severe disruption in the spirit. That's what an intercessor did. We don't quit. Just like when Jesus gave us the gold, there was an earthquake. There was a stronghold mm-hmm. upon mm-hmm. Philippi in that area. Yep. They didn't have true intercessors. They had people who prayed, but not intercessors. So what, what's the difference between the two? Partitional prayer, prayer supplication, 
so those type of prayer would get the spirit to leave you alone for a little while. Mm -hmm. But they come back. Go ahead. You want to rid yourself of that spirit. And to rid yourself of the python spirit, it has to be an accessory prayer. It has to be a prayer with tenacity and fervent prayer. That type of prayer. It cannot just be your day of devotion prayer. It's a consistent, persistent prayer. Amen. It's the type of prayer that brings you into the very presence okay. of God. Okay. See, sometimes you pray and you're not in his presence. And I don't feel anything. I, I pray, but I, I don't feel the presence of God because you haven't went past yourself. There you go. And he says, no flesh can dwell in my presence. Mm -mm. We're still trying to take our flesh in the presence of God. You have to pray out of yourself. Mm -mm. Pray out mm. of yourself. Mm. Take some time. And that does take some time. Pray out of yourself. Pray all of your thoughts out. There you go. Get every petition of prayer, everything about you, get it out, get it all out. And then you can really, he said, now you got you out the way. Now we can talk. Oh, come on now. See you. For some people, yes. Yeah, for some people. For some people, yes. It, it takes some time because they approach God with self and my situation and what's going on in my heart. And it's always me and it's never you. It's me, Dina. It's me. <laughs> God is not about self. He is not about your feelings. Your feelings don't touch him. Your feelings do not Touch him. Don't move him. What does is faith. Wow. That works by love. Mm. So what is the spirit of Python and what is his mission? <laughs> his assignment is this, is to gain legal entry and ground into the believer's ministry or life through false belief, idolatry, doubt, Plow unbelief, so that he can hinder God's destiny and his purpose for you. He wants to gain legal entry and grounds into your life. He does that through false belief, idolatry, whatever other gods that you're worshiping, yourself, things, situation, events, what you come in the future. Doubt and unbelief so that he can hinder God's destiny and purpose for you. This means that the ground he acquires gives him the ability to frustrate you, to distort mm. your view, you can't even hear or read the word in any clarity. It's to actually hide or veil the anointing. It hides the revelation of the word from you, the blessings from you, the provisions from you, your health, quality connections. So you end up being connected to people who are not healthy people in the word of God. Uh -oh. Those right. type of relationships, but they feel good relationship, unhealthy. Cut them all. And most importantly, God's love and passion. He wants to shield away from you. I don't feel love. I always want to be loved. No one loves me. I try to love people. They just don't love me. Love. When the spirit of Python has prominent ground, that means that he, he uh, Man, he's, he's a squatter now. Yep. Go ahead. He's a squatter. He's a squatter. He's a squatter. <laughs> That's his estate now. He's, he's a, a squatter. squatter. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Is that when he becomes a squatter, <laughs> He is so familiar. In your soul, mm. it actually stops you from praying and worshiping. The fire of God is out. 
You become isolated. I don't want to be around the rest of the people of God. You, when the spirit of Python becomes a squatter in your soul, you begin to doubt the word of God and his promises for you. Uh, you actually lose your anointing. Not that it's God has taken it away from you, but you can't seem to tap into your own anointing. Mm -hmm. You feel lethargic, indifferent uh, with God. You feel rejected, violated, inadequate, incapable, inferior, insecure. It's a huge one. Uh, because when you start to think that someone else thinks they're all this and that, it's your insecurity. The spirit of Python is making you feel insecure. You start to walk by fear, not faith. You're leaning being on to your own understanding because you seem to be real smart, you know, these days. So much smarter than God. So, hey, hats off to you. Uh, <laughs> division in the body of Christ. Something for me. And also Not me talking. <laughs> division in the body of Christ and also sometime in our marriages. Um, it also delays us from walking in our purpose and our Amen. call. Uh, it brings about hurt and bitterness and pain. Um, and also, we, are, we start to be wrapped in our problems, and we're less attentive to others because we're so wrapped in ourselves. The problem is this. This is the problem, that when we get saved, most of us don't understand who we are in Christ. Then we don't comprehend who he is in us. Thus, we fail to be transformed by the word of God. Can you say that again? This is the problem. When we get saved, most of us still don't understand who we are in Christ. Then we don't comprehend who he is in us. Thus, we fail to be transformed by the word of God. Amen. So how can we effectively presume we have Christ's authority then? This is what has to happen. Certain things within people has to be exposed. It has to be exposed. Mm -hmm. And being exposed is very uncomfortable and is very humiliating sometimes for people. But it's for our good. That humiliation, but if mm -hmm. we properly, mm -hmm. if we properly are loving those people right. and protecting and covering them, they won't feel the impact. It's only the enemy that brings that shame yeah. to you because we know that it's going to allow us to grow and develop into Yes, you. He's always trying to reveal, God is always trying to reveal himself to us, but the enemy is trying to always reveal himself to you at the same time. And you have to be able to have loved ones around mm -hmm. you to be able to help you that you, what yes. you can't see. A blind person is not walking. He has somebody to aid him. That's right. This is what this is all I want to tell you when it comes to the shame or the part of us being exposed. If we're properly covering each other in love, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin, and we'll be all right if we just really operate. If y'all just really operate in love, man, we, we could just move. We could do some things, y'all. Like I said, certain Get things within us really have to be exposed, and it's uncomfortable. Mm. And often we want to know, well, something's wrong with you, too. I know it's oh, not that's just what we me. Do. Well, you're not the other person. You're you. So let's deal with you. Let's okay? do that first. We always, kids always, kids always, when they get in trouble, Go kids. Ahead. So it's, it's letting you know your immaturity. Kids always <laughs> want to know when one person gets in trouble, they, they were around the other person. Well, how come... I, I'm the only one that oh. got in trouble, and he did not thought that. And so you, the kids start, you know, complain about, you know, the other person. They want to get attention off themselves, but I need to deal with you. Mm -hmm. Adam said, Adam said, it's not, the woman that you gave me. Right. He told God that. I'm telling you, that's what he said. See there, he lost his maturity, lost everything. So don't be immature okay. like a child adult 
once we expose what needs to be dealt with, we need to recognize it, recognize it, and then bring it under the blood of Christ. Amen? Amen. And these, these unknown conflicts that the believers actually have in their life is this, that normally it involves in some part of our life to where we're not submitted to Christ. Your lack of submission to Christ gives the spirit of Python full legal authority to coil himself around you. Mm. So when you're not submitted to Christ, you're giving the spirit of Python the authority, the legal right to attack you. Python's strategy is to move in at one's birth. We talked about that. It's to crush the spirit by routinely assaulting them at the soul level. Its strategy is to move in at your birth and crush the spirit. If you crush someone's spirit, this is why we got to be careful when we raise kids. Mm -hmm. I said, my dad always told me, you know, don't break their spirit. You still have to allow the person, you can't crush their spirit, what's a part of the personality, but what we can do is some major adjustment without carrying the person down. Amen? Amen. Still have to allow them to express themselves, helping out to express themselves, but allow them to mm -hmm. express themselves. And so we don't want to crush the spirit. So this is what this enemy does. But he routinely actually assaults the soul, the mind, mm -hmm. the feelings. I mean, can you imagine being attacked every day? Uh, You've been jumped every day. Yeah, I think they can. You've been jumped when you come out the house, <laughs> going to work, going back out to the car, going to the grocery store. You've just been jumped. That's your whole life. You've just been jumped. This is what the spirit does. But you only give it the permission to do that when you don't submit to Christ. Then this is what happens. The soul becomes twisted and mangled in pain, and it doubts that God even cares. This is what happens to a person who's a victim to rape, any type of assault. They begin at some point because their feelings and their emotions have been mangled, and they're in pain, and now they don't feel that there's a love. Worthy and all that. And no one cares. And this is why so many of these people are not only falling to depression, but they end up being suicidal. Mm -hmm. Because no one cares. That's, that's what the enemy wants you to think. Or just go to the far extreme and just give their bodies away over mm -hmm. and over and over again. Later when the person comes to Jesus Christ, despite knowing in their mind that God loves them, the secret recesses of their soul just don't get it. But this helps us to understand what the enemy has done as in the deep recesses of the soul mm -hmm. has caused that person to believe they are not loved, no matter what a person says. There's nothing mm -hmm. anyone can do until that part of the person is actually healed. Mm -hmm. 